Today on CityCast Chicago, we've got updates on some Chicago labor fights, more things to do at the library, and even though we normally are all about the Chicago love, we want to know what quintessential Chicago experiences are a little haunted. It's Tuesday, July 25th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. Joining me on the microphone is the one and only lead producer, Simone Alisea. Welcome back, Simone. You was off last week. I was. I was. I got to got to see some stars in Michigan. It was great. Come on. Now that we got you back on the microphone, we have to talk about the labor movement in Chicago. Obviously, if people have been paying attention to the news, it feels like labor action, uh, collective bargaining, striking is just happening a- a- across the nation. Whether you're talking about big companies like UPS, you're talking about actors going on strike. Uh, but we want to focus on a few labor actions that are taking place here in the city as workers have earned some big wins last week. Uh, Simone, what happened with Howard Brown Health Workers? Yeah. So just to remind people kind of what the situation is, Howard Brown Health, you know, the Midwest's largest LGBTQ affirming healthcare uh, uh, system. Um, and last year, hundreds of nurse practitioners, support staff, other non-nursing workers unionized um, trying to address issues of, of burnout um, in, in healthcare. And at the time, the company said it would recognize the union, bargain in good faith, but then moved to lay off dozens of employees, you know, as they were pushing for a a new contract. Um, You know, Howard Brown at the time said, you know, they were facing a $12 million shortfall uh, created by the loss of, you know, federal COVID funds, uh, changes in the pharmaceutical industry. This, the union, this newly formed union submitted 16 complaints to the National Labor Relations Board, basically saying that the company failed to bargain in good faith. There were also allegations that the company had surveilled uh, some, some union meetings uh, that they weren't supposed to do. Um, And last week, the board found that so far, at least half of those complaints have merit, that that there's something to those. You know, Howard Brown said that they were disappointed with the finding, uh, but that, you know, their goal has always been to negotiate in good faith uh, and, and have a good working relationship with the union. Union leaders are sort of hoping that, you know, this finding may lead to reinstatement for some of these laid off employees as well as back pay. But the NLRB is still investigating some complaints. And so it's not yet clear kind of what the the very next action is. But, you know, as far as the union is concerned, this is this is a victory and says, hey, look, it, it, this this finding says that Howard Brown was was not doing what they said they were going to do and was not being fair um, as these negotiations were ongoing. Yeah. And and having a paper trail, having it, you know, it's not just word of mouth. It's not just the complaints of people who have been let off, but to have this paper trail to back them up moving forward. Um, There was also news coming out of the NLRB regarding workers at El Milagro tortilla factories, uh, which we have been covering for, I guess, a few years at this point. It's kind of ridiculous to say we've covered anything for a few years, but here we are. Yeah. I mean, workers began organizing at El Milagro in 2021 uh, to protest, um, you know, poor working conditions, low pay. Um, And earlier this year, a complaint was issued alleging that the company had threatened workers with retaliation over organizing, saying, you know, you're going to lose your job. And last week, the company settled the case with Arise Chicago, which is the group that has been uh, working to organize workers. 
And the agreement means the company has to inform workers of their labor rights. The settlement says, you know, they have to put up these notices at all the factories. It says, you know, you're allowed to talk about how much money you make. You're allowed to, to talk with your coworkers about, um, you know, trying to improve working conditions and the employer can't stop you. Um, so this has been, you know, the, the workers at El Milagro are not unionized in a formal way, you know, but they have, you know, they have gotten some wins over the past few years as they've become more vocal about, uh, again, really poor working conditions, things like, you know, how fast the machines are moving, uh, a lack of air conditioning in these really, really hot factories. Uh, protections from harassment. Protections from harassment as well. In 2022, the state labor department, you know, also found and fined El Milagro for violating Illinois labor law by for for not giving workers meal breaks. So that's the kind of stuff we're talking about here. And so this is sort of the latest in, in that fight. I mean, this has left no industry in a sense unturned, whether you're talking about healthcare, where you're talking about manufacturing and food service. But even if you talk about the performing arts in Chicago, we covered the writer strike. But since that conversation, the the actors have gone on strike as well. What does that look like in a city with, you know, the shy filming and, um, you know, all of the, the dick well, shy man, well, shy beauty, all, all, everything. What it looks like is they're not filming, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it is stop production on a lot of those shows. Um, on Thursday, there was a rally in Grant Park uh, for, for striking actors and lots of other labor organizations coming out in support of the SAG actors, uh, the Screen Actors Guild actors, as well as uh, the WGA writers. You know, it was a, a march from Millennium Park to Buckingham Fountain. And, uh, you know, this is obviously something that is huge here in Chicago because not only do we have these productions that are filming here, but obviously we've got a lot of writers and a lot of actors mm -hmm. who are who are based here. I'm certainly looking at my shows and trying to figure out, like, do I think these shows are going to come back? And like, are they am I going to watch them? But, you know, the for SAG, for its part, has said, like, they're prepared to potentially go into 2024 um, mm -hmm. uh, with this strike, which would be really, really long and, and much, I believe, much longer than the than the last one in, in 2007. And one thing I want listeners who might be who hearing this conversation and thinking like, man, people are just striking everywhere. What's going on? Well, what's going on is just seeing one of the largest movements of workers in this country deciding that this modern day gilded age we're living in, when so much of the profits of our labor are going to the top 1% in the, the country, it's not isolated. And so in places that you, you might not often be thinking about, maybe in the classroom, what's going on with professors, what's going on in, in an El Milagro, what's going on in healthcare organizations, well, well, the same things. Workers are feeling burnt out. They're feeling overworked. They're feeling underpaid. Um, and I think it's it's sparking sort of everyone's feeding off of each other. The energy is spreading from industry to industry. And I hope we don't keep these conversations isolated to ourselves, but rather realize this is a site for sort of intersectional collective action. Um, if, if we can all see how, how we're uh, very much connected in this scenario. And I think the other thing that's worth noting, as you said, in terms of the the sort of collectivity of all this, the fact that it's happening across industry and across, uh, you know, across blue collar, white collar, like, you know, it sort of mm -hmm. is touching all parts of our economy um, is in a place like Chicago that does have a strong union history and a strong organizing history. Like, these folks have a have a loud voice uh, and are yeah. and are making that voice heard and like you know a place like Chicago sort of has that organizing infrastructure to kind of raise this up and raise the profile 
uh, to the next level, particularly for some of these local companies like Howard Brown and El Milagro, uh, in addition to some of these broader movements like the SAG strike. We like to take a little time every week to hear what y'all had to say about what's going on in Chicago, what you've heard on the show, what you've read in Hey Chicago. And a couple of weeks ago, we did a fun episode about all the things you can get from the Chicago Public Library besides books for free. Uh, And y'all had a lot of love for the libraries and wanted to shout them out as well. Hello, hello. This is Chris from North Center. Oh, my God. My heart stings for the Chicago Public Library. Love that CPL usually functions as voting centers. I know going being in Lincoln and Park that um, I got a chance to check them out when they were one of our polling places in the midterm elections. Oh, my gosh. Just so many absolutely beautiful memories of Chicago Public Library. As always, thank you, Jacoby. Thank you, Simone. Thank you, Sydney. Thank you, everyone who's in this podcast. Y'all are keeping the city cool. Take care. We are sitting over here grinning ear from ear uh, from listening to that. That was my first time hearing it, and I appreciate you, Chris. Uh, Chris is not a first-time caller here at CityCast Chicago, but we appreciate him for it every time he picks up that phone. And we want to hear from y'all as well. Um, I mean, Simone, when I'm looking through our Instagram when we posted, you know, a few people reached out to us and let us know how much they appreciated that episode as well, including Katie, who said, libraries are our greatest treasure. Love this episode and love libraries. Uh, and Katie, we love you. We appreciate you reaching out to us. I will say one thing in that episode that we did not talk about that I would just like to put in a plug for <laughs> uh, is the printing. You can get as many as 10 free pages of printing every single day with your Chicago Public Library card. This is I don't know about you, Jacoby. I have not lived in in a home with a printer in over a decade, <laughs> it comes up at like the most inopportune mm-hmm. times. I had, to, I finally got uh, my Illinois license plates, <laughs> my state <laughs> Illinois license plates. And so I had to print out a bunch of documents that mm-hmm. I, uh, that I did at the library and I got all that for free. And uh, it, it is highly underrated. And one of the things that I wanted to shout out, please, please, please stop by your local library, not for the book, just the books, not just the printing, But right now, if you go to the Chicago Public Library's event calendar, you'll see computer basics, uh, intro to art, uh, exercise and nutrition lessons, uh, summer reading, summer meals, instrument workshops. You can get one about I you could take a workshop to learn how to protect yourself from identity theft. And all of those events I just listed are happening today. Just today (laughs) and libraries across the city. I didn't even get to the third page of the events calendar because it was all Tuesday. And if you want to give more love to your library, please reach out to us at 773-780-0246. Leave your name, your neighborhood. And uh, why do you love your local library? Finishing off today's conversation, we're going to get a little spooky, a little evil. A while back, uh, Simone and I were doing our our Malort taste test with the homies Jermaine and Caroline. And I said that Malort was like a Chicago horcrux, which basically is like an object where evil wizards and witches hide parts of their dark soul. You might have also heard from it from Harry Potter. Uh, Anyway, uh, Hey Chicago reader Annie A. has some other suggestions for a few Chicago horcruxes. 
Yeah, uh, Annie wrote in and said that those Horcruxes would be Lower Whacker, uh, mm-hmm. where something that is quintessentially Chicago but feels a little evil, <laughs> which I think yep. is is accurate. Uh, the Addison stop, the Addison Red Line stop after Cubs games, uh, which is oh, I have. If you've ever been on the Red Line trying to go through Addison after a Cubs game, that is that's rough out there. Uh, <laughs> And the tiny gap between the platform and the door of a CTA train that is the perfect size for your phone to slip through down onto the tracks. This is one of my biggest fears when taking the CTA. <laughs> I am certain that if CTA Press is listening, you are the perfect Chicago right now. You say your biggest fear is losing your phone on the CTA. It's like, <laughs> yes, that's that's what we want your biggest fear to be. But my mind goes uh, to the 79th Street uh, Stony Island, South Chicago intersection. It just feels like a real evil place in the city of Chicago. Just evil like energy. Of, it is. Yeah. It is haunted. It is haunted. Uh, not by any like you know ghosts of great you know titans of Chicago or anything, but simply no, just by evil design. Just evil urban. It's like design. bad feng shui, but yeah. in, in urban design, like <laughs> that's how I would describe it. And I know we've been pretty playful with these, but one, and I mean, Chicago is home to so many spooky sort of haunted stories. You know, you and I was even talking earlier, like University of Chicago archives is probably just full of Chicago horcruxes. I mean, that Manhattan Project remnants. Uh, But one is the Nederlander Theater, particularly the alley behind it. Back in 1903, it used to be called um, the Iroquois Theater. uh, And there was this really terrible fire that took place that claimed a whole bunch of people's lives and I once saw someone telling a spooky story they said if you walk through the alley behind the Nederlander you can still hear the sort of ghost crying out and it's one of the scariest things I've ever heard um, uh, coming out of sort of the, the the spooky genre of Chicago and I just seen some I just seen some things in the city so uh, but but that feels like it, it's, it's still got some bad juju you know 120 years later the other one you mentioned that I really liked was the Holy Names Cathedral, which is uh, famously where there was a like a 1920s like gangster shooting. You know, it was Al Capone's crew that gunned down a, a rival. It was just like this very, you know, sort of the one of the things that sort of led Capone to be able to like consolidate power in the city. So those are two that are sort of like actually haunted. I think more to sort of Annie's idea of like sort of quintessential Chicago things that seem a little bit evil. Uh, I would say every single pothole on uh, DuSable Lakeshore Drive, literally every single one, every single mm-hmm. one has the soul of a little bit of evil um, that just gets transferred to your tires every time you forget to swerve. Uh, ev- yeah, not, not into those at all. Well, uh, between uh, the evil horcruxes, uh, the labor wins in Chicago and more love for our library system. Simone, I want to thank you for making uh, time for CityCast hopping on the mic with me. Always love being here. Before I let you go, a little bit of news, y'all. Marking today's anniversary of Emma Till's birth, President Joe Biden is set to create national monuments in Chicago and Mississippi. Here, the monument is going to be at the church where Till's funeral was held. The Chicago Bears will open training camp tomorrow at Hallis Hall in Lake Forest. You can get free tickets to attend at a link in the show notes.
have some good news. Fiesta del Sol begins Thursday in Pilsen and runs through Sunday. It's celebrating 51 years in Chicago. You don't want to miss it. You heard us mention Hey Chicago. That's our daily newsletter. You can sign up now at chicago.citycast.fm. And while you're there, go on peek around the new website. It's fire, ain't it? I'm going to talk to y'all bright and early tomorrow morning. Peace. Shout out to Beyonce.